0: a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's podcast is called No One Ever Told Me, and I'm so excited to be here with Jenny Alembic. She is from Wise Owl Coaching. I've known Jenny since her children were littles. They are not so little anymore. And now she is a life coach, and I happened to catch one of her videos on Facebook, and I immediately said, Jenny, 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 we have to put this out in the podcast. So. Welcome Jenny! Hi! Thank you so
1: much for having me!
0: And my big question, um, we have a lot to talk about from your video, we want to talk about mom emotions, the decisions that parents face on a daily, hourly basis, I want to talk about self-care, I want to talk about connections in our relationships, but my first question since I've known you for a while is how is your new role as a life coach shape your
1: parenting relationships? I love that question. It's a great question. I think what I learned and what I took immediately, I remember coming home from my first intensive weekend, was acknowledging and validating. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing that I thought, oh my god, I need to do that more with my children because I always want to correct. I always want to say, this is how you should do it or this is how you could do it better or do it my way, so to speak. (gasps) And when I learned that I really need to just acknowledge them and validate them. Okay. That's
0: what they need. I, I need. I want you to describe that and the ages of your children now. But okay. I have to just put in here, oh, my gosh, that's why we're called See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Yes. Because the translation of that, especially from your perspective, is how do I validate, acknowledge, and connect? Mm. So See Me, Hear Me, Love Me, Acknowledge. Uh, so what does this mean for your children? Okay, validate. to
1: acknowledge and validate is... To listen to them and to say, that must have been very hurtful when so-and-so said that. Yes. I'm sorry you're feeling that way. Do you need a hug? Instead of being the fixer mom. Right. Instead of saying, who was it? And give me their number, and I'm calling the school, and we're going to, you know, I had I mentioned in my video, I wanted to beat up three-year-olds because they hurt my kid. Yeah. You know, as parents, we'd, I don't do well when my kids hurt. So I want to immediately fix. And especially as a coach, we don't fix. That's not my job. My job is to help you and my children. This is what I do for my children is to empower them, to help them see what their part is, to shift their perception, and to get them to move forward. Do you think they've seen a change? Yes. Is this last year that you're coaching? Yes. Yes, because... I think the community... They come to me with even smaller things, not just the big stuff. Like my middle one, is you asked me the ages. They're 10, 12, and 17. So I have a fifth grader, a seventh grader, and a junior. And the seventh grader, who has always drama every day with her friends and the boys and all that's going on there, she says, Mommy, I tell you everything. And she has a friend who doesn't tell her mother anything. So... That means a lot, and they just feel comfortable coming in and telling me anything because I have learned to zip my lips yeah. and just listen without judgment, without trying to fix. And if I do have an opinion of how to make it better, I wait. Yeah. And I'll wait a half an hour, an hour, a little, maybe a little more, and say, you know, let's go back to that point. Let's talk about that when their emotion is out of it. I love it. I love it. It's such... This is Wise Owl. Now,
0: if you can, I don't want you to divulge any family personal secrets, um, but describe the little things. Because I think so often parents are focusing on the big and the research has been clear that we're really good at the big choices Mm. because we prepare all our lives for those sort of the big ones but it's the little ones that stump us Mm. and we stumble over and to be present for those small moments will make the big moments so much easier. So explain if you can. Well, I have great examples. Finding time and patience for the little. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the little things come because we are a divorced family. So the their father has a new girlfriend and is getting married soon. And we have only been divorced for a short period of time. So... They're very concerned. I can see the way that they ask questions and the way that they look, especially my little one, the 10-year-old. She's very sensitive, and she'll say, is that okay? She wants my permission yes. to like his girlfriend, or is it okay if she likes the girlfriend? I said, sweetheart, as long as she is good to you, I'm so happy about that. Yeah. Do you like her? Yeah. You know, it's the little things. They're afraid that they were afraid to tell me, like, daddy said this. Or if they spoke about somebody that I was dating, they were afraid to say something in front of their dad, not to piss him off or to get anybody upset. It's those little things. So everyone out there needs to know that Acknowledge and Validate creates space
0: and time for for the genuine connections day to day, as well as the big stuff we're trying to figure out.
1: Yeah, and these kids have so much going on in their little worlds. I I can't even encompass really what's going on in each one of my child's. I know that it's a lot, but I think you said it perfectly to create the space and the safety to come to you and know that you're not going to react. You're just going to listen. And in order to
0: do that, I suspect going back to your video, and everyone needs to to catch now is Wise Out Coaching. I know is on Facebook, or do you have a YouTube channel or a, a website where they can always catch you I these do. Videos? I'm just starting to update it. I've been really negligent, so okay. I'm starting to do that. We'll yeah. make sure we post some link to the to this. No one ever told me because you opened with I didn't know I was going to feel every emotion known to man. And we jumped to the acknowledge and validate, but I'm not sure we can do that without feeling really peaceful in the storm of our own emotions. So explain, if you can, how you connect to your own feelings and and have um, peace with your own feelings so that you can connect to theirs.
1: I'm going to share something. I got some very... Upsetting, some parents might be devastating news about one of my children. I'm not going to say which one, but they will not be able to bear their own children. When I first got this news, yeah, I cried. I did plenty of crying on my own. And I sat with that information for weeks on my own, processing it with my close group, talking to psychologists talking to the doctor, I wanted to know when was the appropriate time, what was the best way to approach this. I knew that my delivering this sensitive information was going to be imperative and key to how they reacted. Mm -hmm. And when I did present this information, which I just did on Saturday, it was such a beautiful time and space That happened. And I prayed about that. I really asked for help about that from the universe. And it went, did we cry? Yes. Are we sad? Yes. But we're going to deal with it in a really healthy way. And to know that there might be some solutions. There are options. We have choices. If I could say anything, we always have choices. But the key was, and you asked me in the beginning, was how do I deal? I don't, I don't react immediately. Yeah. I think that's key for me, who's very emotional and loves my kids to death, as all of us do, but I'm a reactor, is to react less. Take that deep breath. Ask myself, does this need to be addressed now? Because when my kids come to me, and they're really, a lot of the times, my older one, she just needs to vent. She'll say to me. Don't say anything. Just let me talk. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I heard you. And I don't say a thing. And that's not easy to do.
0: And, and I know there are parents of small children listening to this. And, and I think that the wisdom that you've acquired over these decades mm-hmm. is, is, is in your own personal growth, which is magnificent. As a woman, I, I salute you and I applaud you. But it's knowing that in time you've discovered life is going to send you all kinds of things curveballs, things that are, ju- that are going to hurt and frighten us. And you have found a way to be fearless. In your strength and in your passion. I mean, so so I think. the, and the other thing that was going, going through my mind is, I know you are passionate, and it's it's part of what you use to describe your work as a coach. But but even passion has to be. You have to. You have to allow it its place and its expression so that it doesn't hurt you or sw- you know it, you have to you have to own your passion in the same way you own everything else in your life and you've done this in an amazing way okay so uh, do you have any daily practices or yes. as a coach that I have you- many of them um, and I know we- you have because it doesn't just come without rituals and routines
1: exactly it's a beautiful way that's exactly what I and when I take on clients I highly encourage them. You're paying me for my service. You want to go as far as you want to go, I can help you get there, but you've got to put the work in, and the work is the rituals and routines. I wake up in the wee hours of the morning, an hour before my children get up, I do 30 minutes of quiet time, I do writing, I do I Am Blessings, and I talk to people in the morning, I eat breakfast every day. You know, I I don't eat sugar and flour. So I do have rituals and routines that I do. And then I have a nighttime routine as well. That doesn't take long, but it's a way to put me in a place of gratitude and to be thankful and set my mind right for the day and really reflect on how, what went beautiful and what could be improved and, but always gracious Yes, and that reflection
0: matters so much for new parents to be able to, to say, hey, we made it through the day. You know, hey, there were some struggles and there were some challenges, but there was also a ton of joy and things to be grateful and happy about. Um, and what about self-forgiveness? Because you know, oh, parenting comes Oh, that's difficult. great.
1: Yes, self-forgiveness. Well, let me just, I just want to say, I love the first five years of every one of my children's lives. It's different now, and it's it's different hard, and as hard as it was back then, I remember being like having three young kids at once was brutal for me, especially not really having a very helpful partner. Um, it was exhausting, and I questioned everything, and I wanted to say this today. We live in a world today where there's so much information. We are bombarded with how to have the perfect kid. When I had my perfect kid, my first kid, I knew how I was going to make her perfect. She was going to learn a language. (laughs) I signed her up for Mandarin for five years. She was going to play an instrument, and she was going to take a sport so it would keep her out of drugs. I mean, I had thought I had it down, (laughs) and it all went to poop like after a year. You know, I think we're so as parents because we have all this information we're trying to do it right quote unquote so, there is no such right way how do you find I you think find the best to live thing in that? yeah i think the best thing is to know when i'm taking care of myself and that means waking up before the baby and finding those 15 minutes to get quiet time, whatever you can escape into the bathroom and get, because I know I have no privacy in the bathroom ever. Um, But taking care of you, I think, is key to becoming the best parent. Because you know at the end of the day, I did my best. And that's what I mean when I say, all my children need to know is that I love them. They are clothed. They are fed. They have a roof over their head. That is more than half of this world has. Our children are going to be wonderful. Stop reading the books. Stop thinking maybe they'll get into Harvard. If they do, fantastic. If they don't, that's okay, too. It's not for them. None of my children are Ivy League children. So, I mean, we all say
0: we love our children. We Mm. all say love and happiness is all we want. But the day-to-day of that, as you said, it's the, oh my gosh, how do I, what happens when life turns my course upside down? What happens when my plan isn't going to get executed in the way I dreamed and imagined? Because that's where I think that um, self-acceptance comes from, and and then that next step is the acceptance for your children to be exactly who they are, not who you might have imagined them to
1: be. I think you just made an excellent point, which is what I expect of myself, I expect of others. And that's where we really, when we have, when that's, our children challenge us most in that area because we want them to be what we're not. And we want them to be everything, every place that we've succeeded, we want them to succeed and everything we are not, we don't want them to be. That's where taking care of yourself and self-loving yourself, taking care of yourself gives you that space to let them be
0: individuals. Okay, so I'm going to put you right on the spot with that self-love because on that video, which I love, no one ever told me, you said, no one ever told me that I would have three mirrors walking around imitating my behavior. And so one of the reasons I think the children are this enormous um, gift for our own personal growth Mm. is because of those mirrors. You know, we can pretend in a lot of our relationships, oh yeah, I'm professional, I'm this, I'm that. I'm I'm as close to perfect as a human being can be with just the right amount of vulnerability and imperfection. Mm. (laughs) But your children, when they look, they see your best and your best, they see your most vulnerable, they see all of your flaws and they love you through that. I know, I know. Children are the most accepting, but when you when they hold up that mirror, talk about that mirror and how you can maintain that self love when you're when you see something in yourself through your children mirroring, that's like, Oh, not me. I'm not, that's not, I have a a, a sign in my wall and in the classroom that says mirror, mirror on the wall. I am my mother after all. Mm. When that mother's voice comes out or that voice that you think you've managed not you personally, we've managed so well to, to, and and all of a sudden we go into reaction and it comes out. How, how do you maintain self love, Mm. self acceptance so that you can be that good role
1: model for your children? It's not easy. I'm not going to say it's easy. I'm not going to pretend that. My oldest, who's 17, is the most like me. So we butt heads. She's stubborn, likes to be right, and doesn't take direction well. She is me when I was her age, completely. And she wants me to just let her be. When I'm always trying to autocorrect, like, don't be me. Don't do it the way I did it. I can fix this. What I say to myself, and this might not be the popular vote, but I say, she has her own higher power. She also has her own journey. And she's not all me. She's very much half her father, and she's who she's becoming in this world of 2018, that gives me solace because I don't have control and I don't have all the answers and she's just going to have to learn she's very much the child who needs to learn the hard way and on her own that is very much who she is and she's starting to do that she always comes back and that's where the parenting comes in when they ricochet back to you and go that didn't work out so good and when they're little, you can do that, too. Oh, it's the same kind. I mean, it's I, the same it's, mentality. Like, go ahead, have your temper tantrum. When you're done, come back to me, and we'll talk about how that could have gone a different way. And even though it feels like it's about you, it's not really about you. It's it's really
0: theirs to experience, theirs you know, I mean, I have children in our program and it's an I'll say, you know, for, for a really intense child, they have to go through those big emotional bursts in order to find their way through. There's no shortcutting it for them. And, and but to be there ready to hold and, and, and protect and be there on the other side is, is
1: the ultimate generosity, I think, of a parent absolutely and it's not easy to do and I think we're so worried about we want this kid to be perfect behave properly I was sharing with a mother not too long ago like they were doing a concert and she had to physically go up and grab her kid and take him down off the stage because of his what Exhibents. she felt was her his inappropriate behavior and she was embarrassed whatever and it's like That's who your kid is. Allow him to be that way. He's not going to be that way forever. If they're picking their nose or they hit somebody, you know, they're not going to do that forever. They will eventually learn the right way. But allow your children to be just who they are. And the reason why we don't is because we're worried about what others will think. And we are misled to think that there's a quick fix.
0: You know, I always say you're putting up the bumpers. You're going to keep steering them forward. But it's not like there's a way that you can correct it and fix it and be done after one or two times. It takes lifetimes to learn all of these lessons to grow and to have this emotional intelligence and these social skills and all of this um, okay but i want to come back to something else from your video and that was the decisions mm-hmm. um, because being able to allow a journey to unfold Um, I think is is challenging. I mean, you said, I didn't know I was going to have to make all these right decisions. The right school, take the test. What about medications? All day long, every day. And we did another podcast on the emotional burden of parenting is on mom's shoulders. Um, And whether it's only on their shoulders, we don't have to say, but definitely moms have a large piece of this burden. Mm -hmm. How do you as a coach and a parent Um, manage making these decisions with only I mean you don't if you knew then what you know now all those decisions are way easier but when you're facing the unknown how do you make decisions when you don't have a guarantee for yourself for your child
1: I don't think there's ever a guarantee when you are going to put them on medication there's no guarantee when you're giving them those shots there's no guarantee when you're doing schools that's you know, that's a big one. Parents shop around. They want to find out. They want to know. Sometimes you just have to say, you know what? I've done enough research. I'm okay. And like I said, there's always a choice. If you put them in a school and it really doesn't work out, then you switch them and they'll find another school. Right. It's okay. That decision can change as your child grows. Nothing is permanent. So I think giving yourself the permission to say, you know what? Mom and dad decided on this. This is how we're going to go forward.
0: And we'll see how it works out. I love it.
1: And so before we put the mic on, you were telling me a little
0: bit about your coaching. And you said that you are the gap closer. Yes. uh, Because between intentions and ideas and action and solutions is a gap will you explain that to me? Cause I think that is so essential to parenting and to the idea of making decisions into this great unknown where it's the biggest commitment. It's the thing you want to get most right in your life. It's the one with the biggest feelings. And yet um, you feel very comfortable um, taking this journey and then especially professionally supporting others with, um, How do
1: you manage the... What is the gap and how do you manage it? Okay. The gap is not taking care of yourself. We are such... We are so busy. Everybody's got 95 things going on. You're managing the kids, the house, your business, your relationship, your friendships. There's so much going on. And sometimes we lose sight of what is really my priority And am I taking care of me? And I really think that's the bottom line, self-love. When you are taking care of you, you show up a thousand percent better than when you're running on fumes. I'm coaching somebody now. She's a powerhouse, this woman. She's a dynamo. She works three jobs. She has three children under the age of 11. She has a husband who travels. And she thinks she's managing it, and she's doing well, except she has a heart condition, and she wound up in the hospital last year for a week, and it wasn't a heart condition. Yeah. It was anxiety stress. and stress because she is not putting herself first. So we are working on how does she do that. And she said, I've read all the books. I've been to Tony Robbins. I know. Well, if you know, then why aren't we doing better? Because there's not enough time and da 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 But when you don't make the time, what kind of quality are you giving your children when you pick them up after school? Right. And you can't be there because you're working job two and three. And I also pointed out to her, she's looking to pay off her bills. They're in debt. And she just wants to get them done. So this is a temporary situation these two years for her. And I go, in those two years, your marriage is going to disintegrate to nothing if you don't take the time to make date night. A priority, and that goes for parents too. You get so caught up in the relationship. I have another one I'm coaching who has a one-year-old. Husband and wife are not making date time, and she feels it shifting and drifting. That's not why we create families. We create families out of that love and connection. But if you don't nurture it, that's where we're divorced five years from now and you turn around. How did that happen? And so, with the closing of the gap, mm-hmm.
0: um, is I, I do believe that our world reinforces all that superficial. Um, mm, it's, yes. I'm doing it. I'm doing yes. it. I'm managing it. I mean, we fool ourselves into believing we're managing all mm-hmm. kinds of things at the surface. You know, we talk about the iceberg of children's behavior. Well, let's look at the iceberg of grown-up behavior, where where you're not feeling all the emotions and you're and you're avoiding some of those emotions. So, as the gap closer. Um, Is is it just a new mirror that you hold up? Is it the, is how, how, explain um, being in touch with, I mean, acknowledge and validate. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's get, help my listeners um, know that there are tools out there.
1: There are absolutely tools. The first thing is to, I stress, start meditating. A lot comes up when you just take quiet time. And it doesn't have to be an hour, an hour and a half. Just take 15 minutes. But I mean solitude, quiet, sit down. I think journaling is important. Find 15 minutes to write because I know, and I remember when I was back in the three kids and they were two in diapers and one not, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know my my head from my puppet. I didn't know what I felt anymore except tired. That was the only feeling I had. I was just tired. That's all I knew. I wasn't really connecting. You know, I could go to the mommy groups, but we're always talking about the kids. We never really talked about what's going on with me. And that's what happened. The 10 years went by, and I had no clue who I was, wanted, who I wanted to be when I grow up. So when I stopped that merry-go-round and got off, it was I had to take a hold of me and realize that if I'm not at optimum level, my children are going to suffer, So it was the meditating, the quiet time, the journaling, gratitude lists. Those are physical actions that you can take and really nurturing the relationships, people that you love. You know, you might have, oh, we haven't spoken in five years, but every time we pick up the phone, it's just like we never left. Why are you waiting five years? Nurture those relationships, specifically your spouse, if you're in that relationship, with your parents, they're getting older. These are things, and come from a place of, I want to let you know I love you.
0: I love it.
1: That, that's really simple, and I always tell people, I'm in the reminder business. I mean, I have my clients, I got one this morning, she texted me a picture of her shoes, And I told her, that was her assignment, I want you to text me a picture of your shoes when you come home from your running because she had committed that she was going to exercise three days a week because she's extremely overweight. She sent me the picture and I said, and how did you feel? Well, she felt great. But it's sometimes just being accountable to somebody to say, I'm going to do it, and you're going to hold me accountable because I'm going to hold her accountable. And I care about your success. And I care, and I believe in you. Yeah. I believe in you. I know that you can do this. There's nothing you absolutely cannot do. It's just how willing are you to work? How hungry are you for a different life? I was so depleted. It was my 45th birthday when I woke up. I was so depleted from love, life, self-love, taking care of myself. I was 75 pounds overweight. I was just so empty that I had to start at ground zero. And I don't want people to have to get there, but that's usually when people call a coach. It's a brave and wonderful, courageous journey.
0: You know, I'm so excited for where you are in your journey. And I know you're an inspiration to so many. A wrap up is always the same. Um, I, there's a million more questions, but I want people to, I just want everyone to get to know you and Wise Owl Coaching. So let us know where people can find you. And then the wrap up is how have you got this? For right here, for right now, um, this journey that you've been taking that you're now sharing with others, how have you got this?
1: It I was born out of severe pain severe pain brought me to reach for the light, to reach for better. I knew I was wasting my potential. I had so much in me that was just hidden and in the dark because I didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel worthy and all that stuff. So I really took work. And once I came through and I really felt empowered and I knew that I had a lot to give, that's when I found coaching and I got schooled. I went to an amazing, went through a, a rigorous, rigorous nine-month program. I didn't go to these like three-day classes and come home with a certificate. And I've always done lots of work. So I now have wiseowlcoaching.com, which is a website, but you can see all my videos and I really do my daily work on Facebook. So you can go to Wise Owl Coaching, just look me up in the search. Wise Owl Coaching on Facebook, and I do a vlog every Wednesday, which is like a two-minute positive video. I always choose a topic, and I post throughout the week. I'm not obnoxious with it. You won't get me all over your feed, but it's a wonderful way to connect, and I would love everybody to like my page and just give me a shout-out and let me know you heard me on Karen's show. And I hope I help somebody move forward today. I
0: thank you with my whole heart because what an incredible journey and what an amazing inspiration you are. Thank you. Thank you. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to see me, hear me, love me, seeing little people learn and grow, listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey, loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules, you write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Wester, And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.